Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. be reading from the fifth chapter of the book of James, verses 13 through 18, but I'll be reading it in the message translation. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray for you and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet, and if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't, not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. It's like Aaron said, my name is Sarah Springs, and I'm the student minister here at Mustang United Methodist Church. And I am so blessed to be able to work with some amazing students. And this is just a little bit of my story. I was raised in church my entire life, and I'm what many will call a cradle Methodist. My parents both worked retail, and so my grandmother would pick me up and take me to church every time the doors were open. Anything that I might could do, I was there. And so at a young age, I thought I understood what it meant to be a church community. As far as I could understand, church was a place to make good friends, eat good food, and do things and good things in the name of Jesus. I understood what it meant to be called the hands and feet of Jesus. Some of the things that I was able to serve in all before I became youth age was I helped sort clothes at the community store, do service projects around town like painting benches. I deli- we delivered homemade treats to shut-ins and so much more. One instance of this that still sticks out in my head is I was actually my daughter Emmy's age in third grade, and I was sitting on the church counter helping make what felt like thousands of sandwiches. I think it was only about 100, but it felt like thousands of sandwiches to give to the first responders that were responding to the May 3rd tornado in Bridge Creek. To me, church was a place that understood helping each other, but it seemed like all of this happened just because they were church people and they wanted to do good things. I didn't see or understand the spirit behind it and the power that the Holy Spirit put into these actions for others. Prayer was always an intimidating thing to me, especially when I was asked to pray out loud. I was the youngest and smallest girl at my age at my church. I didn't go to school with the other kids, and I was very self-conscious that I would do something wrong. As I grew a little older, I became more comfortable praying in front of others by mimicking words and styles of those that were around me. And I respected them, but I didn't truly understand the power that the Spirit could wield through prayer. 
I remember the prayer chain calls long before you did that on email where the phone would actually ring every time we had a prayer concern. I remember getting those calls at all hours of the night. I remember the messages on the voicemail. But I really only thought that was where we just stopped and we wished for God to do what we wanted. I lived a very, very blessed childhood. I didn't experience any real loss until I was 21 years old. When I was 21, my bop, who was what we, which is what we called my grandpa, passed away. And to be honest, I think through that experience, it was the first time I really understood what desperate, just all-out, uncontrollable desire into prayer looked like. However, I didn't follow the verse we just read. I prayed on my own, and I asked God to save a man that I loved and respected so much. And when he died, I felt like praying was not much different than tossing a coin in a fountain and wishing for something to, to happen. I now see God did save him. He saved him from a life where he was a proud, strong man and could have never been happy in a feeble, weak body that disease had ridden him with. The next large crisis in my life came just a few years down the road. I, I, we, in between, I had gotten married, and we were pregnant with Emmy. Emmy's due date was September 6, 2013. But on August 29, 2013, it would be this, one of the scariest days of my life. Our girl came into the world uh, one and a half weeks before our due date. But I was at work and things began to feel wrong. It just didn't feel right. And it happened to be a day that our a company had taken over my job and I didn't want any of them to know I had anything wrong with me. So I went to the bathroom and I called Jeff and I said, call the hospital. I don't know what's going on, but it's not right. He called back and he said, I'm coming to get you. I thought that meant he'd drive there. He actually pretty much flew there. Um, and so from downtown, we headed to Lakeside Hospital. After we get there, they put me in a triage room and they hook me up to all kinds of monitors. And they point out to me something that I've never been so scary, that's never been so scary or felt so helpless. They would show me the contraction line and as it went up, and then they'd show me Emmy's heart rate as it went way down. I asked Jeff to call our church and to pray for us and to ask them to pray for us, and I began texting feverishly anyone I thought might pray because I felt that helpless moment again where I knew I could do nothing. Emmy was born completely healthy. And when we went to our follow-up, the doc doctor appointment, she looked at Emmy, and then she looked at us, and with tears in her eyes, she told us that the only expl explanation for her to be here is that God protected her. So there was a blood clot that had formed in her umbilical cord, and it was lodged in there. And she told us that moms never tell, can, can almost never tell when this happens. In fact... That condition makes up 24% of stillborn births. So I was reminded of God's protection over our girl just a few days ago when I was on social media and I came across a story of a young woman who delivered a, a stillborn baby. His life was claimed by a blood clot in the umbilical cord just like Emmy. And I looked around and I thought, God, I'm so thankful she's here. But why me? So James tells us to make this common practice, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other 
so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I don't believe I was that person that was necessarily the one that was living right with God and I had the power that that power. But I believe that all of the people that we gathered together as a whole brought on the power of the Holy Spirit to save our girl. I witnessed that power of the Holy Spirit and it changed my faith, but if I'm totally honest, it didn't quite change it enough. So if I fast forward to this last November, so this pandemic that we've dealt with has been filled with terrible, terrible stories of loss, and I'm not downplaying any of that loss. But in the midst of all that loss, God showed my family an amazing story of his faithfulness. On November 16th, Jeff's dad, Doyle, tested positive with COVID. And we knew this was scary because Doyle had heart problems. He'd been a firefighter, so his lungs were damaged, and many other health things that put him at higher risk. And I can imagine many of you have felt this anxiety before, knowing that something scary might be coming. Little did we know that the journey that this would take us on. Around 11 p.m. that Wednesday, just two days later, he was transported to the hospital by ambulance where his oxygen level was 88%, but he was still stable. The next 48 hours were a ride I never want to live again. He went from being stable to being almost certain gone. My family would again be placed in that space of helplessness. He was put on a ventilator and his organs began to shut down and the doctors were not optimistic. We pleaded for a miracle in every way we knew how, but we also had to pray that we could prepare to accept whatever God's next step was. I can remember feeling scared and afraid, but wrapped in a love that I can't describe, even in our sobbing and our heartbreak from the news that we were receiving, God was working. We were pretty much prepared for certain doom. And in the coming weeks, the Holy Spirit would prove us all wrong. Somehow Doyle began to slowly recover. And Jeff would talk to the doctors and they would still say, I mean, it's getting better, but it's not over yet. It's not done. And Doyle fought through 42 days on the ventilator and 221 days in the hospital to come home and take care of my grandchildren and love on them. We had the great honor of talking to many health professionals, including one I've known since she was a little elementary school girl. We happened, Jeff and I took a vacation to Broken Bow for a few days, all stressed out about being that far away. And Jeff picks up the phone that first night to call and check on his dad and a familiar voice is on the other line. She says her name's JC. And Jeff gets really mad at me because I'm like, I need you to ask her her last name. He goes, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I said, I need you to ask her her last name. And it happened to be one of my sister's longtime childhood friends. I later talked to JC after um, Doyle was almost fully recovered. She said, Sarah, I don't know how this happened. Because every patient I saw in this place, they died. Many of the health professionals that we talked to could only explain this recovery as a miracle. 
So I firmly believe that in the petitioning from God's so many children, that the Holy Spirit moved and healed Pops. My faith has forever been changed by this experience. We read of miracles in the Bible, and they seem so big. But when we get ready for it in real life, we limit God so small. I'm going to be honest, I never thought that he'd be picking up my kids two days a week. God's miracles, the Holy Spirit can move in ways that we can't imagine. So my faith has forever been changed by this experience. And I'm going to read to you from Romans 8, verses 26 through 30. It says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making a prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition, and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines of the, as the life of his son. The son stands first in line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So I want to challenge you guys to each of this. Why do we tend to isolate ourselves in times of crisis? The Bible tells us over and over and over again to seek others out. But we tend to do the opposite and shut them out. Pray for the Holy Spirit to and to be in community. When we trust in the Holy Spirit and petition his name together, we see great miracles even today. So next time that you find yourself in distress, when you find yourself in crisis, reach out and ask for prayers and be in true community with each other. Because community isn't something that we create, it's something that God has created for us. He gave us this to be able to come together and to feel the Holy Spirit and to see what the Spirit can do. So today I want to invite you all that if you have something that you're struggling with, please feel free to grab a few others or to find Kay, Aaron, or myself or any other member of the prayer team. And we want to pray with you. We want to be in community with you. This church wants to be in community with you, like what we're talking about. And I just want to invite you to do that at the altar today. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.